And you're very welcome along to the gardening programme on this Saturday morning. Park. Good morning. Good the morning. final programme for the current series. For this year, yeah, yeah. It's hard, hard to believe, believe. it yeah. sure is. We must have done 25 or 30 programmes at this stage between spring and, and, and autumn. But yeah, it's, uh, and I think we're going out on a nice note because the weather, certainly over the next four days, are going to be just fantastic for gardening. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's a pretty good forecast. And I know we've had some fairly wet weeks yeah. in uh, the fairly recent past, but I happened to be on the road a bit on Wednesday, um, which wasn't a particularly pleasant day. But I did notice um, there's still loads of lovely autumn colour and leaf colour. Absolutely. And I suppose it's is it probably because the weather hasn't actually become so cold that they've fallen off yet? Uh, and or? it hasn't been too windy. Mm. I mean, generally it's the wind that takes the... the uh, the leaves off but also it needs the cold temperatures we need the frosty temperatures and um, that we're getting at the moment to change the the chlorophyll into those lovely red colors and and that's going to happen now over the next uh, couple of weeks the next 10 days the next two weeks you're going to see some lovely autumnal colors yeah i think um, so it's the, coming in already and it's, yeah it's, so the leaves have certainly and growth growth has been strong through the autumn and people will see it in their lawns and, and everything but but the autumn colour is certainly coming you can see it in Virginia Creeper in liquid ambers at the moment are absolutely stunning beautiful red foliage uh, Protea persica that lovely rust typhinia which is the stag's horn um, shumac is, is colouring beautifully at the moment so there's a lot, lot of really good autumn colour but with the frost that we had last night um, certainly tender plants mm-hmm. are going to now is the time this is the weekend uh, to take those geranium cuttings and uh, any kind of cuttings of tender plants that you want to protect for next year then certainly my advice would be this weekend go out there and, and start taking some stem cuttings of plants you that would typically die away in cold weather like geraniums or penstemons or even the dahlias will have got a little bit of a rattling begonias will have got a rattling now with the frost last night and particularly if we're going to get frost again you tend to get once the frost appears the second night tends to be colder and and uh, deeper okay. uh, penetration of frost so my advice really this weekend if you can if you have any tender plants and you want to save them for next year then take some cuttings or else bring them indoors repot them and put them into your greenhouse or tunnel or move them into a conservatory or somewhere that's going to protect them from the frost or indeed as I said last week this is the perfect time of year for the slipping or taking cuttings of plants and all you need is a little bit of rooting powder and you'll propagate your own garden plants so if people have geraniums in the garden rather than actually trying to save the big plant take six or seven cuttings from them they'll root in a, a little bit of compost and perlite with some rooting powder on a warm windowsill covered with a polythene bag within three or four weeks and you've got yourself plants then for next year. For you next can year, forget about yeah. the, the plants then that are outside. Let them let succumb them, to the... They'll look after to, themselves. Absolutely. But with the, with the kind of cold, uh, dry days, uh, dear, be a perfect... And people have found it difficult to get the opportunity, I suppose, things like giving the lawn the final mow now, giving it a feed, putting on the moss control would be important at this time of year. Planting things like Japanese onion sets and garlic can still be done. And indeed, there's lots of autumn um, vegetable plants that you can plant at this time of year. And particularly with the drier weather, it'll be perfect. Bulbs, we feature them for the last couple of weeks, but particularly the ground conditions will dry up a little bit now to get some bulbs into the garden or even to put them into pots. But also for indoor, if you want a bit of scent for Christmas, the indoor hyacinths, this is the weekend, Halloween, coming up to Halloween is a lovely time to plant them up and start them off and leave them out 
outdoors for about four or five weeks to root and then bring them back in in early December for them to come into flower for Christmas. Amaryllis, which produces those lovely big trumpet-shaped mm. flowers. And um, this is the time you buy them in the local garden centre, they're like a small turnip. And again, you simply put them into a pot at this time of year. They can be actually kept indoors at this time of year and kick-started on a windowsill. And again, if you plant them now, they will be in flower for the Christmas period. And amaryllis can also, or the, the amaryllis, but also the paper whites can be forced into thinking it's springtime by potting them up now and again um, putting them on a bright windowsill and you have lovely colour then for the Christmas period. So the, the planting of bulbs both outside into window boxes and containers can happen now but also if you want to just force a few bulbs and get them going um, you know this is the perfect time mm. to do all of that. Summer bulbs that are going off like the begonias and, and dahlias this weekend would be a good time to cut those back and actually start to save the bulbs if you want to lift them out of the ground. Now you can take the risk and the dahlias in the ground and I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago maybe put a mulch of bark or compost on top of them so prune them back to soil level dump some compost or, or bark mulch or you might have some compost that you've made yourself over the summer period put that on a, as a layer or a heavy layer of even uh, grass clippings over the top of the dahlias will help to uh, protect them it'll give them a winter blanket right. and help them protect them or if you want you can actually dig them up and store them uh, indoors in a dry cool place for the winter and that gives you the opportunity then next spring of dividing dahlias and propagating them um, so certainly I would be lifting those main crop potatoes and vegetables in general again this weekend or over the next week or 10 days it's a good time of year to get them out of the soil so dig them up because the wetter the soil gets, the more risk you're going to have damage of things like wireworm um, and also the rotting of potatoes in the soil. So a good idea if the, if the soil conditions are favourable to actually lift them now. Don't wash them or clean them. Lift, lift, lift them with the soil. Put them into um, paper bags or into trays and store them in a dark, frost-free area. Yeah. And they'll store perfectly fine. But it's better not to wash them. They'll actually store better with some soil left on them. Um, again, if, you, if you're interested in planting the bulbs, of course, but also wildflower seed, we're seeing a, a huge interest in uh, the sowing of wildflower seed, uh, particularly this autumn. And um, I think it's kind of following on from all the very uh, the, the amount of social media in terms of yeah, pollinators it's, it's, and it's just part of that whole movement that maybe there is. has taken hold over the last uh, 12 to 18 months particularly and it feeds into the whole ecological I suppose psyche um, so I think maybe that's where that, that interest is, is starting to stem it from. It is indeed yeah and, and I mentioned last week that I was at the uh, Bee Festival in, yes, in, in, in Westport, Westport yes. and they had a fantastic uh, attendance and some f- brilliant speakers, um, in particular uh, Dr. Kavanagh, who did all the research on the Irish heather honey and linked it in Trinity College and Dublin University to the to the benefits of Irish heather honey and, and manuka honey. And it was very interesting to, to, to hear her report and the study that, um, that she did. But again, huge amount of emphasis on the National uh, Pollination Plan, which the government have come out with, um, and the publications are actually available online. And mm. there's some great information for people that are thinking you do maybe a bee friendly area in their school or in their local community there's some fantastic information there and, and resources available online um, so so all of that and then autumn really is the time for fruit 
So if people have apples in particular in the gardens, harvest them now, take them in. Um, again, like potatoes, keep them stored in a frost-free location for the winter. Pears, are, it's a little early yet just to pick them. They're still, they still need a bit of cold weather. Pears, if you have pear trees in the garden, they'll need another two to three weeks. It's normally November we harvest those. But if you've got autumn raspberries or um, maybe the, the final shoots of rhubarb or particularly apples at this time of year, bring them inside. And it's a great time to plant fruit. Autumn is the time when we plant fruit in the garden. So it could be blueberries or raspberries or blackcurrants or gooseberries. This is the time of year to actually uh, plant uh, fruit, yeah. fruit in general has always been and you mentioned the autumn foliage colour if people want to plant trees mm. in the garden again autumn is the time to plant because remember that the roots of plants continue to grow right through the winter period so by planting something in the autumn it gets the benefit of those three or four or five months where it's actively growing beneath the soil even, the, even though you might think they even aren't though but they, they are ju- they look the same mm. they're actually established themselves for, for the winter so really I would use the kind of good time of year also to, to start a compost heap so if you are thinking maybe doing some vegetables or growing a little bit more organically next year, this is the time of year with the amount of leaf litter that's available um, and you'll be pruning pan- back, back plants in general and household waste can all be used, newspapers, all of that sort of material to create a very good compost heap. And autumn is always a great time. Yeah. And remember to feed the wild birds. Yes, I actually, I noticed a couple of questions in relation to the wild birds oh, already. Yeah. In, okay. yeah, so we'll, we'll come to those though in a little yeah, bit. So, so this is the, our time time of year for a cleaning out the nesting boxes that, that may be there and also for, for feeding wild birds right. in general. We start okay. now and feed right through till, till early summer. Um, so they're the type of things. So use the next four days really to get, I suppose, get the garden back into shape, yeah, tidy it up. Just have it, yeah, to take any Prote- protect your raggy tongue. look off it. My own was a bit not great there, but I did get the grass cut uh, last weekend. Yeah, so. and that's, that's great. And hopefully yeah. that'll be the final cut yeah, of the year. I but certainly so. people should try and give it a give it a trim because it definitely has been growing over the last couple of weeks and keep an eye on the moss as well because it's certainly very uh, prevalent this autumn with okay. all the rain we've had. Yes. So they're the type of, of jobs to be doing. Look at that. And again, if you want some more information, go on to my blog page, which is on horkins.ie. Click onto the blog and there's a list of things you can do for October there. Questions, Porik. Uh, so one we didn't get to last week and we're going to deal with that question first of all this morning. Because uh, I, I suspect this is a lady, but I could be wrong. Anyway, uh, from last Saturday, what flowers would I plant to have nice colour for a family wedding in early May 2020? planning ahead and when should I plant them? And why would you think that that was a lady's question? I don't know, I just get a sense that we'd like to have the place looking ahead. nice. Is it, is we'd like it? to have the place looking yeah. nice for May. So May, I suppose you're in your transition time between uh, spring flowering plants and, and the, the summer colours of, the, of geraniums and begonias. But May is the time of year, if you think of it, it's, it's the time at bloom when we have plants like peony roses in full flower and they make a beautiful wedding plants. They're fabulous to cut, but also fabulous to plant out into the garden soil. Alstroemerias would be in flower. They're a, a lily-type flower, small kind of lily um, blooms on it, but very, very colourful. So Alstroemerias would really be good as well. Um, I would put some calla lily, lilies in. They'll be starting in, in May. It really kind of depends the time of date in May. If it's early May, then obviously go for kind of more the spring, like the peony roses would be more re- reliable. Mm. You'll also have plants like wallflowers still in flower in May. Cornflowers as well would be in full flower. Flower, freesias would still be in bloom. Um, some of the irises would be 
in flower for May. Uh, what I generally advise for weddings is you know you want the garden looking really well, so you could certainly plant a lot of those plants I mentioned already, but also visit the garden centre about two weeks beforehand because depending on the time of year and depending of, of the date in May, um, you'll have lots of plants, kind of early summer plants coming on into flower as well. So Dianthus, for example, would be in flower in May. Um, Alstromerias, the calla lilies. There'll be lots of really good plants. It's it's, it's kind of an easy time yeah, of year to get colour. Yeah, it's early May as well. Oh, it's early is, May. Yeah. yeah, well then maybe some of the late uh, spring flowering plants, wallflowers would be, still be lovely. Um, the Alstromerias would be in flower. The calla lilies would be in bloom. The peen roses would be fabulous at that time of year. Um, even the early alliums would be just beginning to show sure. a bit of colour. Okay. Yeah, so there'll be plenty of, so plenty of plants. Loads of options yeah. anyway, really. Yeah, you should have a, a nice a nice show and in advance of uh, all things celebratory. Uh, you know. Yeah, and you'll also have the your, the local garden centre will have pl- even plants like hydrangeas that don't flower until July. Typically, will be brought on early. Um, and, and, and in early colour even in May so you, you can so have some big blousy plants if you want in blue if you're planting from yeah. from kind if you, of if you close leave, to the time leave it yeah, yeah closer to the time exactly right the hydrangeas speaking of uh, I bought a blue hydrangea I want to uh, put it in a pot of acid soil to Great. maintain the colour yeah. can I do it now I don't want to lo- lose the blue colour yeah you can certainly do it now so so to keep a, a blue hydrangea blue it does need the acid soil so it gets yourself some ericaceous compost you can also get some ericaceous food a slow released ericaceous fertilizer that you can mix through your ericaceous compost so do that now plant it into the uh, pot remember it is going to be going out to leaf and flower uh, but next spring get yourself some of the hydrangea colorant and put that on the top of the pot and that will intensify the blue colour and do that in April and possibly again in May and then as the hydrangea comes into flower in, in early summer, July, August sort of period, it'll be absolutely fabulous. So repot it now in ericaceous compost and fertiliser and then in springtime around April put on the hydrangea colourant okay. which changes pink hydrangeas to blue or keeps blue hydrangeas blue. Now, a couple of questions about cuttings today as well as there's still some life left in the gardens and can I cut roses uh, that are not flowering now and also the remains of dahlias as well? Well, in terms of cutting them back, certainly if if roses have gone out of flower, this would be a good time of year for just trimming them back and tidying them up Mm -hmm. and with those pieces of wood that you take off, you can certainly strike them as cuttings and roses will root out of doors in the garden soil. You don't have to bring them inside like a typical cutting so you literally just take them a, a foot long right. strip off any flowers or mm. buds any leaves dip them in some rooting powder open a small trench in the garden just dig a little piece of soil into that put some sand or perlite something nice and gritty and sit your cutting right in against this, the soil put maybe a dozen rose cuttings in there backfill your soil and walk away and in the springtime in March Will you, have you loads simply of roses? you just dig them up and plant them wherever if you want to plant them. So if you've got roses like flower carpet, this is a perfect time of year to propagate them or any of the David Austin roses or any roses, trumpet or Cresei, they all propagate from cuttings at this time of year. So you're, you're naturally pruning them anyway. Mm. So why not, rather than dumping that wood, try a few cuttings. Try to get nice green wood, about pencil thickness, pen, a little bit longer than pencil length, about a foot in length and your little bit of rooting powder and away you go. And it's a brilliant time of year for rooting cuttings in general. It can be fuchsias or hydrangeas or roses or hedging cuttings or whatever. It's a great way just to propagate something. It's a fun and easy way to get some free plants. Okay, I have, I have a, a nice rose. We used to rose. see people in the garden yeah, centre, you know, particularly like years ago, go to that. Yeah. With, with a little plastic yeah. bag and a little snips and the bee. Taking oh! some of the- <laughs> 
Some of their favourite plants, you know, would be always... Uh, oh, that's cheeky, yeah, that's yeah. cheeky. Ah, but hey, you know. So yeah, a really good time of year for... And in terms of the dahlias, dahlias generally you, you start to kind of tidy them back once the frost has knocked them back. So after today's last night's frost just take a look at your dailies if they're still flowering leave them alone and if they've been knocked back by the frost then certainly cut them back and decide either to leave them in the soil or lift them the choice is yours you do take a bit of a risk in leaving them if the winter is very wet or extremely frosty you can certainly damage them so there is a there's a trade-off there maybe lift some Okay. It's always a safe a, bet. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so you've got a couple of options. Exactly. If things don't quite work out, exactly. then, you know, you're at least it, it's not entirely no, a, and you, and the great thing a about, disaster. About lifting them is uh, you, you have the uh, the ability to propagate them and divide them. So out of one tuber, you can make maybe four or five new plants in the springtime by just simply splitting them up. Okay, we're going to stay with roses for just a moment, Warwick. <clears throat> Helen has some wild roses growing inside a wall. So she's wondering, can she cut them down now and will they come back next year? How yeah. much? How far back do we need to cut Well, them? I'm assuming what Helen has are the old dog roses, mm. Rosa Rugosa, which produces single blooms in shades of whites, pinks and kind of purple colours. Um, and they tend to be very, very thorny, very easy to grow, makes a fantastic hedging rose and particularly good in seaside or windy locations. Now, you can actually prune those back as hard as you want because they are so vigorous, so easy to grow. No killing them. No killing them. So Helen can cut them back to, you know, two feet or three feet feet or to whatever height she wants they'll come back into growth. Now this time of the year they have the lovely red hips on them the lovely kind of fr- fruit um, that's formed after the flower phase those lovely rose red hips mm-hmm. so they're quite nice for early winter um, so you could enjoy those for another couple of weeks if you want and cut them then or if you want to cut them back now then you certainly prune them back and there's nothing scientific to the pruning of, of uh, dog roses or rosa rugosa you simply get your hedge trimmers and just hack them back so it's kind of you can be a bit brutal with it you can quite a difficult plant to take cuttings from because the amount of thorns so, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. so better sown from seed uh, but yeah the hedging rose makes a lovely lovely hedge uh, quite a nice plant yeah and And, and so easy to grow and a lovely bit of colour then a lovely bit of colour and it actually does benefit the more you prune it the thicker and fuller it gets and and obviously you're getting more stems some more flowers next year again so now is a perfect time to trim it back okay great now I know you kind of had the moss tackling the moss as one of your lists to do there at the start of the programme so there is just a couple of questions specifically and we might just give one one run through I know it's it's such a it's a weekly question the old moss so so can I apply the moss treatment as a st- at a stronger rate? I've patio that's just covered in green slime. So I suppose hard and soft, hard and soft surfaces. Yeah, and, and if it's hard and sur- if it's hard surface areas like uh, paving and slates and tiles and gravel and all those sort of, we had questions in on the nostoc, for example, yes. and different algae and mosses, and we're seeing quite a bit of it at the moment, simply because the autumn has been so wet this year. My advice is always to treat moss in the autumn to treat it at this time of year because it's only starting to grow, and if you leave it untreated, obviously it's going to be a problem there for the springtime. So if it, the moss is heavy, you can certainly put on the treatments a little bit stronger. We normally recommend putting on the pack 1 to 10 a 1 to 10 dilution rate, so 1 litre to 10 litres mm-hmm. of water um, and apply it through a spray machine on a dry day. But if it's heavy and uh, more intense, then you can go to 1 to 6. So you're using less water for, so 1 litre to 6 litres of water and put it on that a little bit stronger. And pack tends to take about 6 to 7 days for it to kill off the moss. So within a week, you should see it browning and, and, and going dead. And control it now is really my advice, particularly with the dry weather. If you've got moss in your lawn, then the, the treatment is zero. And again, it's a one to 10 mix. But again, if the moss is heavy, go to one to six. Um, zero will work overnight. So if you put it on today, the moss is dead 
tomorrow. Okay. And uh, it's often a good idea. You, you find with the zero as well, it gives it a lovely green colour. Mm. Um, it doesn't make it grow, but it greens up the area. And really what you're doing is eliminating the moss. moss. You're nipping it, um, you know, at source now rather than let it be a problem. So people that had the problem like last spring, mm. my advice really is to treat it now. Now. Go out, yeah. give the grass a trim, put on your zero, put on a bit of autumn feed if you want as well and, and that's the lawn then put to bed for the for the season. I would normally treat my own lawns again then maybe in January or February with some of the zero and that just keeps it at bay. And you've no raking or no messing, it's simply just... So it's something that maybe you should be considering three times a year or something like yeah, that? Yeah, every, generally every, every eight weeks, particularly from now. If you treat it now, you see, and do it again maybe just after Christmas mm-hmm. and possibly again in March, then that's it for the year. It shouldn't require it after that. You're, you're really, it's like picking a weed in February or leaving that same weed to grow until July. Right. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. So if you treat the moss in the autumn, you just get on top of it. Fantastic. Yeah. Let's talk about potatoes. All my potatoes, this is a sad story, all my potatoes were destroyed with wireworm, oh, yeah. even the early ones in the tunnel. That's yeah, a shame. I was thinking of using nematodes next year. Yeah. What's the best time to use them? Well, nematodes would be an excellent solution for wireworm. So wireworm is, is the larvae of the click beetle. It lives in the soil for up to three years and it will tack potatoes and, and weeds and anything but a kind of a tuberous nature and um, dahlias can be attacked by wireworm as well so it's a pest that feeds on both grassland general range of weeds but when potatoes are present it actually drills all the way through them and leaves a stain through the potato um, leaving it unusable so the nematodes are a very good solution they're an organic method of controlling wireworm there's a specific nematode for it and they're normally applied once the weather conditions warm up and in a tunnel situation any time from kind of late March April May sort of period so you'll generally be planting your potatoes in the tunnel possibly in February Leave them maybe a month to start to settle in and then apply the nematodes around the end of March, early April. Once the weather is above, the soil temperatures are up above and the weather is above kind of 10 to 12 degrees, the nematodes work really effectively. So dig them out, take out whatever you have now, leave the soil very much alone at the moment and then next spring, after planting, apply the nematodes and that'll give you very good control of wireworm. It also controls most other soil pests like leather jackets, chafter grubs and other soil-borne pests. Now I have a shrub with a lot of dead branches in the middle. It looks okay. terrible. Can I cut it down now, or do I have to g- do or give it a good dose of SBK? <laughs> So it's, it's all SBK is a weed killer so if, if it depends what the shrub is but look at dead wood is not going to generally rejuvenate so you need to prune that out it depends really what, what shrub it is if the listener could maybe send it in by WhatsApp we'd have a look at it and just see some shrubs respond very very well to pruning like hypericums which you can literally savage to soil level and they reshoot again and are, and are all the better for it so are fuchsias so are things like spireas the gold flame and all of those varieties others you have to be a little bit more careful in mm. terms of the pruning so it really depends what the plant is but generally uh, an indication of dead wood is is obviously dead wood and that needs to be removed uh, the SBK will see will see the, the plant off to its that's eternity a, yeah. that's it gone uh, if you apply brushwood killer to it that it'll it'll deaden it completely so it depends what the what the plant is some can re, can be rejuvenated by by hard pruning so maybe take a picture of the plant or bring a piece of it into the garden centre will tell you what it is and how to prune it. And if people ever want advice, they can always take a cutting of the plant, bring it in, because many plants actually respond to pruning back and pruning back hard. It kind of rejuvenates 
uh, many like roses, yeah. uh, like fuchsias, like hypericum, lots of plants that benefit from that. But others dislike severe pruning, like potentillas or hebes, or you know. Uh, so there are plants that respond well, and others that don't. dislike it. Now I've got some geraniums in the ground, mm. says Catherine. Uh, when should I lift them, and how do I store them for next year, please? Well, that's what I covered yeah. really at the top of the program. That really I was looking at my own geraniums. That's what's kind of sparked my my, my thoughts on it. They're they're flowering still, but but another night's frost is going to see them off. So. Geraldine, my advice really is to take some cuttings from the geraniums you have. Take six or eight of them. You'll root them on your windowsill um, within three or four weeks and maybe leave them the, the older plant to die off rather than having to dig it up and, and, and put it into a pot and bring it on because you need space for that. So generally it's easier to overwinter a couple of cuttings rather than actually saving the mother plant. But if you want to save the big plant, then again, you can dig it out of the, the ground, um, shake off the, the soil, repot it into a new pot and prune it back to within kind of maybe six inches from the top of the pot and put it on a bright windowsill for the winter, maybe in a garage, conservatory, cold room maybe in the house and that'll keep it protected. As long as it's frost protected, it'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't chance it for another couple of weeks. Okay, perfect. <clears throat> now, do, did we get the green manure seeds into the shop? I'm looking for the blue phacelia. Yeah, it's in. Yeah, all the all the, the green manures. Uh, we, I think we ran out of them at some stage there. So okay. the green manures, are, they're, they're actually great if you have, people have a spare piece of ground that they just want to keep tidy for the winter. And and it was one of the plants I was sharing with the with the honey beekeepers last week because Facilia is a great bee-friendly plant. Um, and you simply just throw the seed onto the soil at this time of year. It germinates and it gives you that cover of foliage which helps to keep weeds at bay and then it comes into flower in the spring. Now, a couple of questions on lilies. So first of all, I have a calla lily in a pot for a few years. It has never flowered. It is very healthy looking. What okay. can I do with it? And also somebody wondering about setting lily bulbs for next year. When can they set them? Well, you can sow them at this time of year, like things like the stars. So lilies are generally sown any time from now right through until March of next year. So you've got a long window. Um, I think we mentioned this before, mm. particularly the oriental lilies like stargazer, or any of the kind of oriental white scented lilies, they tend to be very fleshy in nature, the bulb, and they do require a very free draining soil. So when you're planting them, either put them into a layer of sand, so kind of six or eight inches of sand into the planting hole and sit them on it, or some perlite or something nice and gritty, gravel even works really well, and and cover them with a nice gravelly mixture of, of compost as well. Put them down about six or eight inches into the soil and plant them in groups of fives or sevens, and they'll grow through the winter and come, in, come into flower next um, summer for you. Uh, so they can be planted. Now, calla lilies can be planted at this time of year as well. They'll actually tolerate more wet conditions. So the calla lily is the old arum lily. They'll actually grow with their feet in water. The one that's in the pot, mm. they, it, it depends on the size of the container it, it's in. They tend to be better planted out into the garden soil because they're quite a vigorous um, lily plant. So particularly the white variety will grow four feet high, maybe five feet high, and it'll grow a similar sort of width. So it's a, it's a greedy plant and needs quite a bit of space. So depending on the size of the pot, the pot could be restricting it, right. you know, not giving it enough energy. So my advice really would be to, to move it, move it out into a planting area in the garden and it will settle down to flowering. You can help, help that next spring by putting high potash feeds on it. So rose fertilisers. The element of potash slows down the growth and helps to induce plants into fruiting and flowering. So high potash feeds, like rose feeds, will always help to trigger a plant into flowering. 
Brilliant. but maybe take it out of the pot particularly if it's there for a number of years I think the listener mentioned that and maybe move it and this is a really good time of year for taking plants out of pots and planting them into the soil uh, here is somebody says I'm sorry now that I didn't think to grow some pumpkins with the kids this oh. summer but there are any are there any plants I can show or plant over Halloween well of course midterm coming oh, up oh yeah now. the kids are off yeah, actually at so, the moment yeah. um, that well, are easy well the first thing that springs to mind are the bulbs of course because bulbs as I, I said think last week is when you buy a bulb you're buying a three year old plant and it's guaranteed to flower as long as you get a nice big fat plump daftal bulb or tulip bulb or armillus. The armillus would be lovely for the kids because they can grow them indoors all the way through so they can plant them up now. They're very tactile. They're like a small turnip. Pot them up into a pot, water it well and sit it on the windowsill and it'll come into growth within 10 days, 14 days, you'll see the new growth starting to start in it and it'll be in flower for Christmas. So the amaryllis will be a lovely bulb to start with. The scented hyacinths are lovely for children to grow and great for them to give us gifts then maybe at Christmas time. The paper whites will be lovely as well. But there's also some lovely uh, tulip varieties like um, fairy mix, which is a mixture of different um, small dwarf bulbs. You've got red riding hood, which is a lovely uh, dwarf red tulip, Cape Cod, which is a two-tone variety. So bulbs would be really, really simple, easy for them to grow and they'd see the results in a very, very short period. It's also the time of year you could sow some seeds from plants as well. They could sow some herbs or they could sow even things like um, mustard and cress will germinate in a very short period indoors. Um, so that would be nice to do with them as well. Planting maybe of some fruit. There's a lovely blueberry called Pink Lemonade, which children absolutely love because it's a pink variety of our traditional blueberry okay, yeah. so it's got pink berries very very sweet they can grow it in a pot or container maybe a dwarf apple tree they could plant that up as well in, in a pot or container if they want something for Halloween maybe the Venus flytrap Okay. It comes to us from um, from America from, uh, from Car- uh, South Carolina and it's, it grows in the swamps there but it's a it's a uh, car- carnivorous plant. It actually eats flies. So it's called the Venus flytrap. It's a small indoor plant. You'll get it in, lo- in local garden centres mm. at this time of year. And the little traps on the on the ends of the of the stems actually are attracted to flies and the flies, once the fly enters it, it actually closes in on top of them. <laughs> wow. So it's Venus yeah. flytrap. It's something a bit different if kids want you, it. You kind of see them in cartoons and stuff Oh sometimes. yeah, yeah, no, but it's actually way, a yeah, real plant. plant yeah. yeah, it's a real plant and it actually eats meat and um, it has these little traps at the end of the branches. Kids will find them fascinating. I think if, adults will find them fascinating yeah, as well. If, if, you, if you actually rub the, the trap itself with a, maybe a, um, a feather or something very light, you'll see it physically closing in. Now that's not a good idea idea to do too often because the plant thinks there's a fly there okay. and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's uh, yeah. <laughs> it'll go hungry right. if you keep doing that but they're just a novel idea so that's the Venus flytrap I think the planting of bulbs would be brilliant for children there's still lots of seeds in your local garden centre that you can sow at this time of year and maybe some fruit trees that could plant a, something like the pink lemonade which are strawberries which will fruit next summer for them um so, so they're the, the type of things. If you are interested in growing pumpkins, then the time to get the seed. You could actually take some seed from some of the pumpkins if you're carving them out and store those for, for next spring. Or you can buy the seed in February. There's a great variety called Mammoth, which produces huge, big uh, pumpkins. They will grow very well here in Ireland, even though they come to us from, from America. And uh, we've got the perfect climate for growing them. But you need to start the seeds in February and March indoors. Mm-hmm. Plant them out in May and then harvest them at this time of year. Okay, lovely. Now, 
Uh, I have a bright facing, a bright south facing wall, I beg your pardon, that I would love to grow some leaf or flowering climbers on to cover the wall totally. Are there such plants that will keep the leaves all winter? If so, when and what to plant? Okay, so some climbing plants mm. to cover the wall. South facing. So Well, south facing is perfect because you've got so many um, really good flowering plants. So there's a lovely uh, winter flowering clematis called winter bell. Um, I have it growing up through ivy and it's very, very vigorous. It's totally evergreen and it produces lovely white flowers from about this time of year. They're a bell-shaped flower. Mm -hmm. So winter bell, it's a pure white flowering clematis that flowers through the winter period. And the unique thing about it is that it retains its foliage. It's also very, very easy to grow. And as long as you've got some support for it, be it another climbing plant or some little bit of wire or trellis, it'll scramble up along it. It's a lovely plant actually to plant up through other shrubs as well because it scrambles through the shrubs and because of its vigour, it tends to grow out to the sides of a shrub and, and um, so maybe up through a conifer. So that's one called Clematis Winter Bell. It's a winter flowering evergreen Clematis variety. Pyracantha are lovely at the moment. They're evergreen. They flower in the spring and they have beautiful berries. Um, a great wall plant. And I would generally, when planting climbers on a wall, go for a couple of different varieties that complement one another. So Pyracantha planted with the Clematis Winter Bell would be a lovely mixture um, of, of two different varieties of climbers planted together. Californian lilac works really well as a wall plant or a climbing plant. And again, there are evergreen varieties of those. They produce beautiful blue flowers during the summer or autumn period, depending on the varieties um, that you choose. So Mm. that's Ceanotus. It's called the Californian lilac. And it's got lovely glossy green foliage with blue flowers and and a really nice plant on its south-facing wall. I love the Solanums. Um, there's a variety called Solanum glasneva. Now, it's not an evergreen plant, but it flowers right through. It's, in, it's called the potato vine because it's in the same family as potatoes in the Solanaceae family. But it flowers as two different varieties, one called Jasminoides, which has white flowers and green foliage and flowers for nearly five months of the year. Right. And there's a lovely one called Glasnevin, named after the Botanic Gardens right. in Glasnevin. Uh, it's a blue flowering variety with a yellow centre and they're quite good on south facing walls. And the last plant I'd plant is another evergreen plant called Tracheocarpus uh, jasminoides. So I don't think there's a common name for it, but it's an evergreen um, scented plant. You'd often actually see it in the Mediterranean, in Italy and France. Uh, it grows quite vigorously there, but it does brilliantly here in Ireland. And a friend of mine has a growing, a farmer friend of mine has a growing in Wicklow, one of the coldest uh, counties that we have in, it's in Wicklow. one of the co- oh, coldest Oh, it is, counties. absolutely. It gets one of the earliest frosts and one of the oh, latest isn't frosts. Isn't that called the Garden of Ireland? It is because it's got fabulous gardens down there, but it, it gets a lot colder temperatures than oh. we... He, uh, they would have earlier frosts, uh, more penetrating frosts, far heavier uh, frosty nights, a drier climate, definitely, yeah. <laughs> in okay. the west of Ireland, the west. but a lot colder. And he, Damien is a growing on a farm, an old farm building, and it turns a beautiful shade of red at this time well, of year and it stays red until April and then it goes back to green again it's got a beautiful mm. flower, flower, uh, white flower so that's uh, Tracheocarpus jasminoides jasminoides means jasmine like so it's got these beautiful white flowers so there Ceanotus um, the evergreen clematis will be good Paricanth is a great plant evergreen ivies are great as well I think uh, particularly if you mix them with other climbers and um, the uh, the uh, the Glasnevin, uh, the, come on, Porik, uh, come to me in a second. Don't be looking at me. And, uh, so <laughs> any of those, they're all all, all really, really good plants. And uh, drop into your local garden centre. There's plenty of really good climbing plants. And again, in autumn, this is the time of year 
uh, to plant them because okay. they'll root through the winter and scramble up the walls then the following spring. Brilliant. Okay, we'll move along. I have a hedge. I cut it back four inches in July and I gave it a feed. It only started growing again at the end of September. It has grown about six inches. Do I need to trim it back again for the winter? It's a Lalandia hedge. Ah, yeah. So it was cut in July, yeah. And you see, most plants do most of their growing from March until June. And then they stop growing. They stop growing during the summer. And then because of our, our cool, mm. damp conditions in the autumn, they regrew again. So that would be perfectly natural for Lelandii. To be honest, if there's only six inches growth on it, I would leave it alone now for the winter. But next spring, early kind of uh, mid-March, around St. Patrick's Day, sometime around then, give it a light trimming back. And if you keep Lelandii trimmed neatly and tidy, it actually makes a fantastic hedge. But where it let, let grow out of hand, um, it gets too tall and it gets too woody and it becomes unmanageable and it becomes a problem. So make sure that you keep the hedge manageable. Keep it to six or seven feet ultimately. Keep the slightly wider the base than on top. So uh, a Lelandia hedge should be narrower as it goes up and wider at the base. So it might right. be a metre wide at the base and two feet wide at the very top. So keep it slightly, um, the, cutting it slightly upwards and inwards as you trim it. Um, but if you trim it on a regular basis and the gr- time of year is, is March and again as the listener did in July. They're the two times of years to cut Lelandii back. Um, that'll keep it controlled and keep it neat and tidy. tidy. So well managed, it makes a great hedge. Fantastic. Now, my dillias never flowered. They're in a container. <laughs> I don't know why, Well, because it's been a great year for dahlias okay. now. You know, it depends on the size of the container and all that. I mean, again, like the calla lily, the dahlias are fairly hungry plants and they need uh, a bit of space when you're planting them outside. So maybe the pot was too small for them. Okay. I wouldn't give up on them there. They need sun, sunlight, obviously a bright location and they need kind of a, a reasonable amount of, of root space mm-hmm. as well. And um, they need some liquid feeding during the summer as well. So something like the... Um, the Osmo Universal Feed or a Rose Feed is very good for dahlias, but they're they're very reliable. It okay. has and it has been a relatively good year for them. <clears throat> so. Now I've just planted garlic. Is it okay to put some seaweed over the ridge or not? No, perfectly fine. And and this is the time of year actually for planting garlic and also Japanese onion sets. And seaweed is one of our best. Um, fertilizer natural fertilizer so and and the the, the beauty about about uh, seaweed is that because of its salt content slugs won't cross it because Ooh, it burns right. them so it's a great slug barrier but it's also a great organic fertilizer and it will break down over the winter period the frost and the rain and the the hardship will actually break it down making it available to the garlic as we come into um, the springtime. So planting garlic is perfectly, this is ideally the time of year and you do need to plant garlic in October or November and then putting a layer of seaweed would be a perfect mm. fertiliser. And indeed, even if people have bits of ground, say they're digging out potatoes and they want to, if they have seaweed available, even leaving it lying on the top of the surface of the soil, it'll work down in over the winter period. And it's one of our best fertilisers. You'll okay. see a lot of seaweed extract added to other fertilisers, other liquid fertilisers. And it's a fantastic organic, natural uh, fertiliser. Do I cover camellia for the winter? Well, you can do, and that will help to protect it. I would move camellias certainly uh, into a more sheltered uh, part of the garden, possibly up against a wall if they're in a pot or container. If they're planted out in the garden soil, you can get some garden fleece and put that on. Now, it's, it's a little early yet. Maybe you start doing that in November and literally just wrap the camellia with the fleece and tie it to it and leave it on then until springtime and that'll help to protect the flower buds. Um, so yeah, heavy frost, the, the garden fleece will, will protect it. Now, 
I don't know if you know, is it okay to feed the birds in my garden with white bread? I also give them wild bird seed. I wouldn't eat it myself. <laughs> Never mind the birds. It's not great White for bread. us as people, no, it's so it's not, definitely no. not good like for birds. Birds are, are, are seed. White bread we're talking about now. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're white birds are bird, white birds as I birds feed off um cereals and seeds and nuts. So that's the type of material we need to feed them. So things like Niger seed, they're full of protein and oils. They're absolutely fabulous and um, for blue tits and a wide range of, of different birds. That's that black Niger seed. The wild bird peanuts are great and wild bird mixes are fantastic as well. And generally what I do is I just have a mixture of different food sources for birds. But white bread is not, not on the menu. It's not on the menu. No. Okay. Um, for two years I set potatoes in a tunnel. Great stalks, but no potatoes. Oh, for two years. That's oh unfortunate. Um, yeah, so look at the thing to remember when you're planting potatoes in... Um, in tunnels. First of all, I would go with the early varieties. They tend to be more successful. So varieties like Orla, Colleen, Sharps Express do really well. Um, those guys, Duke of York, Red Duke of York in particular, does very well in the tunnel. And you're digging those in June. So you plant them in February and they're ready in June. The other thing to remember with potatoes is that they need copious amounts of water. Yes. So they need lots of water when they're forming their tubers. And I mean, literally leaving the hose on, lying on the, the ridges, for, particularly in a tunnel situation, for about a half an hour to really drench the soil. Because without that, they do poorly particularly last year with the dry summer we had a lot of um you know uh, customers that had a poor crop of potatoes particularly in greenhouses and tunnels so try the early varieties would be my advice and and do keep them well watered uh, as the tubers are forming particularly in may and june now my apple trees had a great crop of apples but when i was picking them there was a lot of earwigs between the apple and the tree why is this also a lot of moss on the bark of my trees how can i treat it my granddad years ago used to use lime wash yeah well lime wash would be used to to stop there are, there are quite a number of pests that will actually walk up the bark of so codly moth for example is a pest of of, uh, of apple trees that actually physically walks up the bark and the lime would deter it from doing that but you can t- today now you can get actually little traps that fit around the base mm. of the tree you can put on a winter wash on uh, apple trees pear trees plum trees and roses once the leaves have dropped in November so you'll see that available in your local garden centre it's called winter wash you simply apply it to the the stems and that gets rid of any pests or, or um, pests in particular on apple trees. In relation to the earwigs, earwigs are they will prey on insects. They leave bits of leaves. Um, they're doing a job. Absolutely, and they're, they're, they are, but they, they they can be attracted to fruit as well. Particularly once the fruit starts to get soft, you often will see earwigs, um, a bit like our wasp friends, uh, attacking bruised, damaged, or soft apples. So my advice really is. Take your apples now, um, store them for the winter and store only healthy. Anything that's bruised or damaged you won't actually use up because they'll rot in storage. So make sure that the apples are clean and, and uh, un, you know, undamaged. Und- undamaged. Yeah. Okay, we're going to have to finish up. Uh, finally, can you please repeat the name of the plant that kills the fly and spell it out? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called the Venus, V-E-N-U-S, Venus fly trap. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not going to it's not going to hoover up all the flies in the house type of thing. No, it's, it's, but it's, it's just it's an It's a carvino. Yeah. It's a, it's a um, it eats meat, a carnivorous plant, and um, it's it's a novelty thing more than anything else. So you have it in your windowsill, so it's called the Venus fly trap. You should be able to get it in your local garden centre, and um, very easy to grow and 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 just an unusual thing, a novelty item. And we'll have to leave it at that. Pork, thank you indeed. Until next spring. Until next yeah, spring. Yeah, spring again. <laughs>
Thanks indeed. Not at all. Thanks yourself. Do stand by. Uh, Michael Leary is live from Harvey Norman's after 10. That's it from me. I'm back again next Saturday. Until then, good morning to you.